Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And welcome to Living Free Show uh, on 3CR Community Radio, 855kHz on your AM dial. Thanks to the Ruminations crew for another great show, highlighting issues around homelessness. Uh, my name's Bill, and today my guests are members of Alanon Family Groups, and they're going to be talking about living with the effects of alcoholism in the family and how Alanon has helped them cope. Um, I'd like to welcome Helen and Christy to the 3CR studio this afternoon. Hi. Hi, Hi Bill. Bill. Um, so it's, I guess we usually talk about what it's like growing up, how we come across the alcoholic in our family or in our um, life, um, and then some of the reasons why we seek help and then what sort of help we get. So I guess, um, Helen, do you want to sort of start off, just talk about what, what life was like for you growing up in your family? Um, sure. So um, I was um, a migrant, actually, um, came to this country as a 10-pound pom, and um, we came as a small family. There was my parents and my siblings, and um, we had to re-establish a life in this country and um, so that was um, a challenge from the beginning and um, my parents were able to um, provide for us. They bought a home. Um, there were some difficulties in um, how we became established in this country that I believe contributed to a breakdown in the family life. And also that my father, who always liked to drink, um, took up um, drinking almost as, you know, an occupation. And it became a problem in my, um, in my life. Yeah. So when did you first recognise it as a problem for you as a child? I think my, my first memory is when I was a teenager and... Um, there were things going on between my parents that were very distressing for my mother, my mother's reaction to my father's behaviour. Um, it would cause her to break down into tears. Um, and um, I saw that that's my first memory. I saw this happening and I would basically verbally attack my father, tell him I hated him and then go after my mother and try and repair the situation and um, that was probably quite a common thing in my life. So what sort of things did your dad do? Um, He wasn't violent in any way. Um, He just was rather, I suppose, controlling of the family He was the patriarch. Um, But what my memory is of him in the kitchen um, with his bottles of beer lined up, um, he would drink them one after another. He would basically be, you know, 
dictating what was going on um, and his behaviour was increasingly unpleasant um, and that's my memory really. Yeah. Bill, it's 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 a bit vague. I I just I just remember that it was a very unpleasant environment that upset my mother and um, caused a reaction in me. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, so, Christy, how about yourself? What was what was life like for you growing up? Well, for me, um, I grew up in country Victoria, so I was just thinking of Helen's story and thinking I too remember my dad Friday night watching the AFL and we were at, always at his best friend's house and they were drinking long bottles and they're always smoking and drinking and always seemed to be happy and always a party but we would always leave and go home. Dad was very um, loud, sociable um, but never seemed to be in control. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, yeah. So, I, honestly, my father left at seven, so he was sort of out of the picture from me very early. So, what I remember of um, his drinking when I was a child was he was always drinking every night and drinking on the weekend, and. And he still drinks today, so that that hasn't changed, you know, 60 years later, so. Okay, right. <laughs> Good to hear. <laughs> so, Helen, um, inside the family, there's one set of rules, and outside the family, there's another set of rules. So what's that like for a child, you know, going to school and having this home life that's very different to public life? Yeah, um that's a really interesting question because I think what I experienced in my home um, was not what I saw in my friends' homes. And uh, I can remember that um, the love that I saw in other people's homes was not my experience. And I grew up rather naive, I think, that... Um, Certain things could, you know, take place in a home um, because of what was happening in my own home. Um, my father had, you know, as I said, we came from another country and um, my father had two brothers and when they came over there would be a lot of drinking and actually there would be some unpleasantness that... Um, took place um, and um, I never shared that with other people. Um, I don't even remember sharing it with my friends but when I went to my friends' homes, um, you know, there would be a peaceful environment. Yeah. Um, there certainly, I don't remember any drinking in those homes and in fact, one of my friends, what surprised me most was that one of one of my friends, when I was a teenager, her mother actually got pregnant again. And to me, that was a surprise. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so um, there was a big, a big contrast between what I experienced outside of my own home. Um, but it was not something that occurred to me 
to make a comparison about um, at that time. It's mm. only later in, in my life on reflection. Yeah. Okay. How about you, Christy? What was, what was things like, like after your dad left? Was, was it still the same tension in the family? Um, yeah, it, it, there was heaps of more tension because now financially that the breadwinner, my father, had left the puzzle and my mum was a single parent growing up trying to provide for us and was a really difficult time. And most of the time, I think from the age of 10, I either worked waitressing with her, cleaning houses, um, picking on fruit blocks... And because of the nastiness of my mum and dad's separation, my dad didn't have to pay maintenance. And when he would, when I'd try and ring my father, who had left country Victoria, came to Melbourne, but then went to to Fraser up to, near Fraser Island. Um, so he was he did a geographical two thousand kilometres away. So not only did we have no contact, but there was no money and. And very similar to Helen's story, like, I would always look at other people and go, oh, my goodness, I'd get secondhand clothes, we didn't have enough money, my mum would show me the mortgage bill, and I'd have to see the interest repayment, and i think, how are we going to pay for this? And just that level of stress of a young child trying to find solutions to our current problem, and here I have best friends with two parents, and wearing sports girl and country road and <laughs> and having everything that that I dreamed of but my world was shattered and it was always I never could have anything and I remember taking calculators to the supermarket and never going over $50 and so it was just unfortunately maybe my mother relied on me as a surrogate husband and I was the last child and my older siblings had left home so I did feel very, very poor, but I was always willing to work with my mum to make ends meet so we could put food on the table. Mm. Um, another thing that happens in that situation is that people get very close to the non-alcoholic parents. So, Helen, did you were you very close to your mum? I was just thinking that as, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we are bouncing off one another, Christy, um, because I aligned myself with my mother... Um, and um, tried to, um, I mean, I said earlier I tried to rescue her, but actually I, I was like a companion on one hand, but also I was always trying to seek time with her, um, even to the extent that I would go, I would go to work with with her when I was a young child, she did you know night duty, and um, and and I remember I I was so involved in her life, yep. um, and um, and also you know I um, was not able to, I mean I I ended up having to do a lot of things by myself. She wouldn't come shopping with me. She wouldn't come to activities with me. Um, but at the same time, I couldn't stay at school and um, I would come home for lunch so that I would, you know, be able to spend time with her. I was always seeking to spend time with her um, and I don't fully understand that aspect of it, but I think that in many ways I... Um, I was trying to compensate um, whatever was missing in her life 
um, and I saw that as my role. Mm, yeah. So, Christy, what about you? Did you you obviously grew up quickly, but did you feel when did you feel like you were the adult? You were an adult. Oh well, I've, I probably felt like I was taking on a role very early, but probably not until I was sort of was a teenager, about sixteen, and went, oh. Some of the things my mum is telling me is not correct. <laughs> sort of this epiphany that what you're actually telling me is not always the truth. And, yeah. I, and I don't know if that was just a level of maturity that came about that I could actually go, oh, I could actually find that in an encyclopedia back then. Yeah. Um, and that's not actually the truth. So I sort of got the wisdom at that stage to go, that is not the correct. And I, and then sort of... But I very much like Helen, I aligned myself. I say that I mothered her, she suffocated me, and we were totally enmeshed. She was my best friend and I was her confidant. And and that's the way we lived because it was just me and her. I had her back and um, and I too was just looking for love and approval and just a little bit of shining light on myself. I just wanted my mum to see me instead of the next boyfriend or the next partner so, yeah, I was really trying to, like, get the runs on the board to get the approvals. Yeah, okay. Yep. So, Helen, mm. did you feel forced out of home or did you leave home willingly? Um, it's a question that I'm not sure I can answer. Um, I think I was always searching for affection, attention, and um, I um, had a boyfriend early, and um, and so I followed that path and ended up getting married um, early. In fact, he moved in with me because circumstances back then it was um, the seventies, and um, there was conscription. And it was a complicated situation. (laughs) Um, My parents were very generous. They actually loved this um, this boyfriend of mine. And um, but I attached myself to him. And um, and then um, back in those days, you couldn't really. There wasn't the money to move out um, and be together unless you got married. And so. That's that's what I did, and I think I was I was looking for love, um, I was looking for attention, and I sought that through um, my boyfriend, and then he became my husband. So I did move out early, but it's hard to relate it, you know, um, apart from those things that I've just mentioned. Yeah. Okay. So was his drinking? A problem when you started going out with him or so we were 16 15 16 um and um it was only later maybe um drinking i remember becoming relevant when i was 18 and i remember that because it made me sick um (laughs) physically yeah I found out many, many, many years later that I actually have um, a, an intolerance to alcohol. And so while I tried to keep up with my peers and be involved in the social scene, um, drinking actually 
made me physically sick. So I remember the the times, the dates. It, I was eighteen, um, and there was a special occasion, um, and so it started then. And of course, we were, as I think I mentioned, we were married by the time we were twenty. Um, we moved into our own um, accommodation, um, and there were we were the. We had a, a large group of friends, but they were not specifically my friends. They were my husband's friends, and the, um, they were all at university. And um, we had regular um, parties at my house, and there were flagons of wine, um, and lots of drinking went on from that stage. So from the age of, of 20, that's when it became a significant factor in, in my life. Okay, thank you. Um, Christy, how about you? Were you pushed out or did you seek to get out? <laughs> Very funny question. I can say I was kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> but we had moved from the Mallee down to probably the Western District by then and I was 18 and Mum's current partner, I was, I think I had actually been in Al-Anon, obviously, by this time, I was already in Alateen, actually, because I was... How did you get into Alateen? That's probably more interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so when we moved from the Mallee down to the Western District, um, my mother befriended a lady who was actually in, a tw- in Al-Anon, and um, she's still alive today and lives still locally. And she was telling my mum... Um, my mum was telling her actually, sorry, that I'm really worried about Christy. She's very overweight. That was the story that this lady told me. (laughs) So this is the concept that I've got. So this is what I know. And so this lovely lady, what they call in the program of Al-Anon is called Mm 12-stepped. And so this lovely lady asked my mother to come along to a meeting on a Friday night back in 1992. And, um... And so because of our relationship, as I've already described, she goes, I'm going to this meeting on Friday night. You're coming with me. So we were attached at the hip. And I got to come into an Al-Anon meeting, which is for people over the age of 21. But because I was a teenager, I was qualified to actually go into the teenage rooms, which is where um, young children who have been affected by the disease of alcoholism um, they meet together with us two sponsors and they share their experience, strength and hope. So after I had my first Al-Anon meeting, I was walked down the corridor to an Alateen meeting where the teenagers met and they then talked about ways that they were coping with their parents drinking. And, and that's where I started my journey in Alateen many years ago. Right. Okay, so back to your... Moving out story. <laughs> so we were we were there, and and then obviously because of what I'd learned in the program, um, I challenged my mother one day. Must have been I must have started uni, and she just kicked me out. And her boyfriend said, "Get out!" And so we moved out. And then I didn't speak to my mum for about three years. So I must have been about eighteen because I just contacted her just before my twenty first. And even though I lived locally, um, she was literally around the corner from me, but I had no contact with her. And I needed to have that couple of years of just detachment from her, detachment with love, but 
total detachment because we were so enmeshed, we were so sick, we were finishing each other's sentences, we were living vicariously through each other that, you know, I was living her life and not living my own. And um, so I was really grateful that I had the Elanon Fellowship to help me just make some healthy boundaries with my mum because our relationship had got so sick. Mm. Okay, thank you. Uh, you're listening to your Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. Um, we've got about 70 podcasts of the show that are available on our webpage, which is 3, 3cr.org.au forward slash living free. Um, if you want to contact us, you can call either call the station on 9419 8377 or send us an email on 3crlivingfree at Um I'm talking with Helen and Christy about growing up and living with the family disease of alcoholism and the help you get from Alan or places like Alan and family groups. Um, so we, we were talking about sort of leaving home and starting um, life away from the parents. So, if, Christy, for you, what did that mean when you left? Mean It meant that I had to be responsible for my life. So when I went away from my mother, um, I then had to get my own job. I was going through uni and going to meetings and learning how to live as a young adult, which was very foreign to me because I'd always been under the the shadow or under the wings of my mother. But Eleanor gave me a different mindset that I could actually do this, that it's possible. And even though I'd come through the disease of alcoholism, which is very negative and the mindset's very, very, very negative by default. So when I plugged into Al-Anon on a daily on a daily or weekly basis, I actually was able to go, I can do this. I can go and be by myself, earn money, have a life, finish my degree, because I just had a very negative poor mentality just because of what I grew up in. Father was a drinker, mother was a single parent, none of my brothers or sisters went to university, and I really wanted to change that picture. And so it was probably, even though it was a breakdown with my mum that I left her, um, kicked out from her, but it was probably the best thing was a breakthrough, was the fact that I started my own life and... um, and Alanon taught me the basic building blocks how to start a new chapter of my life, which is a miracle. Okay, thank you. Um, so, how about you, Helen? You've 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 married. You're living in the house. You've got lots of parties going on. How did that continue? Yeah, my experience is very different from Christie's. Um, my um my my marriage uh you know early in my life led to having children also early in my life um i was a mother at 22 um we actually didn't have any money or um my husband was on a scholarship um so i needed to earn the money um i became very absorbed in basically i suppose 
you know, surviving that sort of life. I had a second child in my in my while I was still in my twenties, and um, and so I just went down that path, um, and I was extremely busy. Um, you know, the socialising continued, and I participated. Um, you know in that sort of activity um, but it wasn't necessarily a problem in that decade of my life. Um, I was very focused on what I was doing and um, I think because my experience with my own mother um, had been what it was, I, I was, I had two daughters and I was completely over the moon and um, I just wanted to spend time with them and um, and so that's that's where my life that's the direction my life took during that stage right so when did your husband's drinking start to be a problem to you I think yeah it's interesting because it it was a problem from the beginning yeah you know, and I have memories that remind me of of how that was a problem. Um, it was just so accepted, um, and I know it's still ex- in a, an acceptable activity today. But um, I had grown up in that environment. I didn't know any better, and I just dealt with it. Um, the difficulties that I experienced are so vivid, Um and, um, you know, the occasions that arose where there was excessive drinking um, w- with my, my, my former husband. Um, and um, so it, it was, you know, right from, from the beginning of our marriage. Um, as I said, I just accepted that. And it, it's, it's hard to actually pinpoint when it became a specific problem um you know i need to go through the decades because it was just a continuum really and it wore you down i was <laughs> completely worn down um um you know unfortunately for me my my i guess you know my my mental health my or my emotional health was an issue for me it was an issue for me um, for as long as I can remember, for various reasons, but um, if we're looking at this particular topic, um, uh, it, it certainly was was an issue that eventually led to um, physical um, ill health, and um, and I think you know that happened probably um, in the nineties. And in the early 2000s with injuries and, um, and then diagnoses of, of conditions that, interestingly, I have heard are very common in Al-Anon. So chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, inflammatory bowel disease. I had irritable bowel for a long time. So it was my body mm. <laughs> giving me the message that really and truly um, things were not going right in my life and I I had to follow a certain path as a result of that. Okay, thank you. Christy, how about you? Going, did you, once you established yourself outside the home, how did your life progress? 
Well, I thought that um, <laughs> it probably went worse. <laughs> Realistically, I too then went into the uni environment and had friends who we we drank, even though we were in Al-Anon. Um, so, and because I was in Al-Anon was probably the best place that I think I just, once I got my um, licence and my proof of age, I went to to nightclubs and worked at the nightclub and went to uni and worked at the local stores and um, I ended up getting physically sick as well. So yeah. I ended up having my tonsils out when after I was 18. I literally had wrecked my body from just that level of probably partying too hard and my sponsor in Al-Anon, Alateen, said, Christy, you need to get rid of them. You need to get rid of what you don't in your what don't need in your life, and close the door on those. And I thought, how dare she tell me that I need to get rid of those people? But in honesty, I knew that I needed to close the door on those friends. And um, so, sort of, I feel like I did my partying from eighteen to twenty-one, and then I shut the door, and then started to work on myself. So at least I feel like I was able to party. But probably the biggest thing for me when I drank was I danced and so a lot of the alcohol left my system. So I was always sober. But I would see the friends that I was hanging around with, they would continuously drink and end up vomiting. And I was like, this is not who I want to associate with. And Alan on teachers, you know, you become what you hang around, you know, if you lie down with fleas. With dogs, yeah. Yeah, you lie down with dogs, you're going <laughs> yeah. to get fleas. So that's the word I'm looking for, Bill. And um, so I was really grateful that it was a very painful experience to leave the girlfriends who I partied hard with, but it got me well. Yeah. So. Okay. So how did you end up marrying an alcoholic or a normal person? Well, <laughs> funny enough, funny enough, I married my... Um, um, uni sweetheart. So it was like I was the good girl in my uni class and he was the bad boy. He came with the shaved head, smoking, drinking, earrings, nose rings, shaved cut head. I was at the front of the class and he was at the back and I went, mm. my eyes were like, I'm going to rescue you. <laughs> <laughs> so I came with my Elanon box or my disease box and went, I'm going to fix you. I'm going to look after you. I'm going to enable you. So we were like two adult children that came together. Mm-hmm. And so it was quite, as I as I say in Al-Anon, like I was probably a super control freak and tried to control that for many years. And um, however, today we're 18 years happily married. and But it's taken a lot of work to get to today. Like back then I was truly very sick when I met my husband because we were enmeshed like my mother and I was. So my behaviour hadn't changed. I'd just moved to the next person. So it was my mother and then that behaviour was then with my husband. And so Elanon taught me you need to detach with love, you need to have healthy boundaries, you need to be your own person, Christy, your husband needs to be his own person, and you come together. I didn't understand that because what I saw in my mother was exactly... The opposites, Opposite, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so very difficult. Very strange. Yeah, you mentioned adult child. Do you want to explain adult child? Yes. Um, so an adult child means 
a child that's grown up with a parent who's an alcoholic. So in my instance, my grandmother, uh, Ruby, she was a drinker. And so my father was an adult child. And then my father, he, um, he drank, but then he had children. And so my sister, my brother and myself are all adult children of an active drinker. So that's how I explain an adult child. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, you're listening to Living Free Show on 3CR, on digital radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. Um, I'm chatting with Helen and Christy about growing up in an alcoholic family and how getting help through 12-step program can help you get on with life. Um, so, Helen, you've got a couple of kids, family, difficult with a drinking husband. What triggered you to seek help with that situation? Yeah, it's... Um I feel like it's such a long story because sometimes I feel so old um, <laughs> and yet not, which is good. Um, but but I've had a long life um, and um, I've been recalling things recently because my life circumstances, uh, I have changed them dramatically. Um, but it was a, a long process to get to that point. Um, but I was remembering that um, I had significant problems in my relationship that impacted on my work and the environment in which I was working. And I found it hard to even recall this. But um, because I've moved recently and I've come across um, a lot of paperwork and things I've had to sort through, there was I was actually recommended because I had my problems so you know engrossed in me that I took them to work with me and one of the um, professionals that I was working with mentioned Al-Anon. I didn't at that time seek help but I certainly went from when my father actually died that was a pivotal point in 1998 he used to listen to me, um, and losing him was a big loss. Um, so I actually sought therapy through grief counselling, and it wasn't the first time I'd been in therapy. I'd been in therapy, you know, in my early marriage um, for, you know, reasons. But um, And so... Um, and then from the grief counselling, which had to come to an end, I went to a therapist and I was with her for five years. Wow. Um, and at that stage I had health issues. Um, and But she was she took over where the grief counselling um, left off because my mother actually died. So I lost both my parents. Um, so I, and I hadn't really got any of my own friends um, that I could share, you know, my, my life with. Um, and I didn't have a relationship where um, I was able to talk about the things that I wanted to talk about. So interestingly, I discovered that also this therapist, or she was a, a psychotherapist, she mentioned Al-Anon. Um, and I've only remembered that in the last, you know, short while. But I 
had the serenity prayer um, introduced to me at that stage. And, um, but again, I did not find my way to Al-Anon until, do you want me to continue with that? So I, it's funny because it's almost like, and I've heard it said in meetings, it's like you don't get there until you're ready to get there. I do wish I'd found it sooner. However, this was not the way that my life was supposed to be, I I think. And um, although I was introduced to the concept of a higher power many, many, many years before I got to Al-Anon and I I had the faith that there was something that was guiding me in my life and I would go to where I needed to be regardless of what was going on. And I lived my life that way before I even got to Al-Anon. However, luckily for me, even though I had significant health problems and I found my way to another therapist, recommended um, through my chronic fatigue doctor for stress management. Now, this therapist was the first person who actually got through to me and said, Helen, um, I think you would get the help that you need from Al-Anon. And at that point, I was so despairing because of the difficulties I was having in my life with my with my relationship with myself as well um, and with my health problems. Um, and I was desperate. I was completely desperate. And um, I... That's what drove me to make a phone call and I got through to the helpline. We have a a helpline available. It's not, you know, a 24-hour helpline, unfortunately, but at least this was after hours and I remember the person who answered. She was so loving and um, she told me about a meeting that was nearby and um, I went to that meeting and it's in Glen Huntley, and it's my home group. This was in 2012. That's when I found Al-Anon, and that's when my life started to change because I started my Al-Anon journey, and honestly, it's saved my life. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it can take a long time to find recovery, um, same as, you know, alcoholics and drug addicts hearing about something the first time doesn't magically change your life but eventually once you realize what it can do for you and the freedom it gives you in that you have the choice instead of feeling that you must do something that you have a choice of whatever you do so christy the question i was going to ask you was about relationships alcoholism is a disease is a family disease it's also a disease of relationships and miscommunication in in that I might say something to my father who's an alcoholic and he wouldn't hear what I said he'd hear what I said five years ago and the same when he talked to me that I wouldn't listen to what he was saying I'd I'd be hearing what he what he said a while ago and did the opposite you know, his actions weren't matched to the words so what's it like for you we, Coming from an alcoholic family, marrying somebody who drinks, how do you, how's the communication and relationship 
Is is that a, a real mixture? It surely is. And just similar to Helen, um, when you go through life and you marry someone, because you've been single, there's a different part of your relationship that, you know, it's in the honeymoon phase. So it's all fluffy and bubbly and you're all pretty and nice. And then when you get married, it's a totally different kettle of fish. And then when you have three boys, it's another total kettle of fish. So, <laughs> so our relationship has grown and changed over the past 20 years. But yes, it was very black and white. And as I was saying earlier, I would finish my husband's sentences and because I thought that was my role. And my sponsor in al would say, Christy, stop finishing his sentences. And I'm like, oh, and I didn't know what I didn't know because I wasn't taught that as a child. So all these basic fundamental um, building blocks, I was unaware that I was actually doing a disservice to my husband by being a martyr, being a manipulator, being a manager. And um, so our relation, as I started to work on focusing on myself in Al-Anon, our relationship got better and better and continues to get better but yes it has changed when we've had children because we've both come from my family's come through drinking and he's had parents who are teetotalers so he's had these these beliefs and I've come with these beliefs and trying to get two adult children to work as a team very difficult and we're both very headstrong he's a Capricorn and I'm a Leo and like my father's an Aries and my mother's a Capricorn. So it's like we've married my mother and father again, but just really strong personalities. So, and probably the cheekiest thing that my husband uses against me today is that he knows I'm not allowed to speak unacceptably to him. And, (laughs) and so he goes, stop there. Like you need to make amends. So it's really good that we've got to this part of our relationship where he can just put his hand up and just go, no deal, like, just stop, don't go there. And because of my disease mentality, it can quickly ravel back to that old belief system, which is which is tricky to, because it was my life, like, even from the age of 16, it's hard to unravel that, that blueprint that's been what you've heard. Yep. Yeah, you can't unhear it. No. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Helen, um, coming to Eleron means that you start changing the way you think, start changing the way you act, and everybody around you is doing the same thing. So what's the impact in your family? Mm. So I learned so much about myself in Eleron, um, and it's interesting that you know, people who don't know Al-Anon um, don't understand that the focus is actually on us. And um, so I learned about myself and my life living with the disease of alcoholism my whole life and not knowing it. Um, so your question was, just well, remind just, me. Just about how the family has to change. If yeah. one person changes, everybody's yeah. got to change. Yes. So <laughs> um, I guess I, I 
started to change and um, whether it was seen or not, I don't know because I, you know, my, I have, as I said, two daughters, they have very busy lives. They weren't necessarily involved in my life closely. Um, and so I suppose the way I changed was that I became involved in Al-Anon. That became a, a large part of my life. Um, I met somebody early on um, in my um, in my introduction who I'd known from the past and she introduced me to service yeah. within Al-Anon and so um, I actually became involved in taking on positions um, within the meetings that I went to. I was the group representative quite early um, and so I, um, my journey in Al-Anon has been one that has been totally involved in service um, and recovery. So I think the way I changed as a person may not have been observed. Um, however, it did produce problems w within my relationship because um, I guess I started to expect different things. Even though we're taught, um, you know, we learn that expectations lead to, you know, a resentment. Yeah. <laughs> However, um, I did still, I was still trying to change things until I got to the point where I realised I couldn't change anything about my situation, but I could change what I did um, and the decisions that I made. And I made the ultimate decision was that I was not going to survive. I had a near-death experience um, in 2015 and it was a significant wake-up call for me and that was when I had to leave my marriage. So that was the thing that impacted on the family, that I made that, that major ch decision to, to leave um, and the rest of the family, unfortunately, um, have not understood my change mm, yes yes there's a lot that aren't a lot of misunderstandings in alcoholic families i'm afraid um so christy do you want to talk a bit about respect you were talking before about respecting other people uh, respect and detachment about how that works yeah um i think that's the most beautiful part is that because as an adult child i was so ego driven and control driven that i actually had to take say your opinion bill and and take it on board and go we'll agree to disagree and respect that that mm. that that's possible i didn't know that that was possible before alanon <laughs> like like that was foreign like you don't know what you don't know and alanon taught me that you've bill's got a right to an opinion helen's got a right to christy's got a right to opinion and mm. we'll agree to disagree so yeah. never thought that would be possible mm. yeah the other thing with the alcoholic the alcoholics got a right to be an alcoholic that you know <laughs> Yeah. They've got a right to drink, and I've got a right not to to drink as I like, and they drink as they like, and and that's sort of one of the things that and allow them to make to live their life and suffer their consequences. Don't try and save them, which is something that we tend to do. Try and save them from themselves. Okay. Uh, well, listen, we've um, we've just about at the sh end of the show. So, would either of you like to say anything about? Um, I guess, to people out there who may think they've got a problem in their families, what, you know, what do you 
What would you say to them? What I would say, Bill, is that Al-Anon is um, an avenue that can help a lot of people. It may not be right for everyone. Um, When I found it, it was certainly right for me. Um, And it has allowed me to take responsibility for the decisions that I've made in my life, um, to make the changes that I had to make both personally and, um, you know, within my life generally. Um, And it's been a lifesaver and it's often misunderstood. Um, And it's not a religious program. It is a spiritual program. It's certainly not a cult. (laughs) it's it is it's an amazing program and if you're affected by somebody else's drinking um i would just say please try alanon it really does help thank you okay well listen um if you'd like to find out more about alanon family groups then you can phone them on 1300 252 or you can go online at alanon.org.au that's about all we've got time for today. So I'd like to thank Helen and Christy for coming into the studio and sharing their Alaron Family Group's recovery experience with us. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Bill. You, Bill. Uh, I hope you're about to join us again next week when we'll be talking about recovery from gambling addiction and we'll be joined by Yvonne and Kathy from Gamblers Anonymous. Uh, we usually have Black Noise Radio on next, but Kerry Lee's not available this week. I understand that we have a program queued up and I'll set that off at the end of our show. Um, So thanks again for listening to the Living Free program.